never seen a video nasty. I wouldn't. I have far too much. But how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, have you never seen one? I actually don't need to see visually what I know is in that film. the Video Nasties podcast. My name's Christopher Brown. Made in Spain, set in France, and uh, featuring uh, a concept created in Italy. A perfect uh, film for uh, Eurovision weekend, no doubt. Uh, a feel of uh, great collaboration, or maybe just a little bit, really, of uh, lending from some different ideas. The Blue Eye for a Broken Doll is a uh, Unusual, although not unique in itself, for being a Spanish Jalo film. Now, we've already spoken about what Jalo is. It's very strict criteria in an earlier podcast. But just to recap, we're looking at really a murder mystery with a slightly salacious content, stylized with a blacked glove killer. Now, if you really want to be funny, you'd also include in there and it's from Italy, but uh, we'll be uh, a little bit more forgiven on that front. Jalo's impact obviously massive. Uh, the work of uh, Dario Gento and Maria Bava leading to indeed the splasher, the slasher boom of the 1980s. And evidently here as well, the film has uh, been an influence, an influence on uh, Paul Nash who uh, we've spoken about before with the werewolf and the yeti. So to learn more about him, go back to that episode. But Nashi was a, a, a hero, a, a god amongst the uh, men in terms of, uh, of horror, uh, a leading Spanish cinematic icon. Written by Nashi and uh, directed by his uh, collaborative uh, friend and uh, director, Carlos Arud. The film is a mixture of, uh, well, I say mixture, it's a, it's a pretty standard feeling, Jalo film. There are obviously uh, elements that make, make it feel different, although it's not uncommon for Jalos to be based outside of uh, Italy. I mean, this isn't even the only Spanish Jalo film. But it, uh, but at the same time, when you put it amongst uh, some of the other films that uh, that came out at the time, it it, it does feel a little, uh, you know, it's it, it's trying to box maybe a little bit above its weight against some of the grandmasters of horror, shall we say, despite its stunning pedigree. <laughs> I'm not the same as my sister. Son of a bitch. He wasn't satisfied with just killing her. He gouged out her eyes. <laughs> the blue eyes of the broken doll. Good morning, Pierre. Good morning, Doctor. We need you down at the morgue. He's committed another killing. 
the blue eyes of the broken doll. The Broken Doll, with Paul Nashi, Diana Lorries, and Maria Pershi. <laughs> the Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll. So the story centres on a Nashi, uh, who plays a guy called Giles. Now, he is a drifter who's arrived in a French village, stops off uh, for something to eat, some wine, and um, chats to a uh, the person at the bar. And basically, he's looking for work. He is somebody who has uh, evidently uh, tried to uh, kind of get away from something. You know, he's, he's a, he's a traveller. Anyway, he meets a woman called uh, Claude, who is played by Diana Loris, and um, she says, listen, there's some work in our house if you want. There's me, there are three sisters that live there, and um, Claude, as I said, has a, has a quite a horrific injury on her, on her arm. Um, she is, lives with a, a, a red-headed nymphomaniac called uh, Nicole, who's played by Eva Leon, and there's a slightly older sister, uh, played by, uh, called Yvette, who's played by Maria Pershi. Now, Nashi, um, Nashi's character, I should say, is a complicated guy. Giles struggles with uh, very troubling dreams, in which he remembers uh, committing quite very strong acts of violence against uh, a former partner. This doesn't stop him, of course, having sex with the people who live in the house. And uh, there's uh, lots of uh, rather, rather the robust shape of Nashi and these, uh, these, uh, these, these, these actresses as well. Love making. So all that's going on, and it's going on for quite a considerable amount of time in the in the film, if I'm being honest. Uh, but there is something else as well. A murderer is uh, killing people, uh, killing women. Uh, a black glove killer, as it were, is killing women and taking their eyes as well. Now, unsurprisingly, because Nashi has a, a suspect past and has just arrived in town, um, the police's attentions quickly fall on him. 
Anashi himself is troubled with strange dreams of violence against women. Is it Nashi or is it something else? And uh, the the story kind of twists and turns around until there's a uh, a conclusion. Although I will say this about this shallow. A lot of them you can turn around and go, I'm not convinced that film made any sense. This one does, but I can guarantee you wouldn't be able to guess who did it. So as we say, Carlos Arud Alonso um, was born in January 22nd, 1937 in uh, Messia. Um, so, he mo- so he works in Spanish cinema initially as an assistant director and starts initially working with um, with Nashi in that assistant director role for the film The Werewolf vs. the Vampire Woman in one of these many uh, piece, you know, roles that Nashi did as, as a, a movie monster, as it were, for the Spanish market. He shifted towards uh, directing in, uh, in 1973 for one of the sequels to uh, of the, of these vampire films, uh, Horror from the Tomb and also Curse of the Devil. This was a, a bit of a purple patch for, for the director. And um, indeed, the year later, this was the film that he made, The Blue Eyes for the Broken Doll. In the early 80s, he made exploitation films with uh, Ajita Wilson. And popped in, you know, he, he had kind of splurges of horror, basically, as well, working in the 80s with um, El Enigma de Yatta and uh, El Hombre del Pito Magico as well, which again are in the same guise of these 70s, quite violent, but also um, well-created and crafted, kind of uh, gothic horror, I suppose, in the sense it's werewolves and lots of characters running around it. And they also, you know, the thing about Nashi's portrayal of these characters, he tends to give a lot of you know pathos to them and they're quite um, emotionally overwrought, shall we say, quite, quite high intensity. Now, when we get to Blue Eyes, The Broken Doll, that makes that probably works better for that than it does for, you know, when he's playing a vampire. But, um, you know, for the, 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 the kind of, you know, the, that um, intensity and, and the emotional heightened nature of the way he used to do his work does kind of give a, a certain weight to, you know, passionate scenes. And obviously, as being, being a, you know, a, a jalo, a murder mystery, one where you know violent acts are committed on women. This kind of strange, kind of you know OTT, kind of feeling the pain of everybody do, does work quite well. Bear in mind as well, obviously he's playing a character who is uh, haunted by the violence of his past. So it's uh, you know always good not to undersell that stuff, I suppose. So small areas around Madrid were um, used uh, to to replicate um, French um, village rural life, and notoriously, of course, if if you if you <laughs> I think it's mentioned on uh, as mentioned a few times, it is it is a film where, uh, despite uh, the director's lengthy experience as a second unit director and director, is you can actually see the entire film crew near the end of the film quite clearly in a, in a window in a mirrored shot but hey these things happen the film was released in the UK as Blue Eyes of the Broken Doll which is it, a literal uh, interpretation of the of the Spanish uh, Los Ojos uh, Azulas de la 
Manika Rota and um, was released in America under the name House of Psychotic Women, which is, I think it's fair to say, a bit of a spoiler. Uh, and on, released on TV's House of Doom. Both those versions have had trims. Now, the film itself is uh, contains the kind of stuff that we've spoken about before in terms of getting on the section, the, the video nasties list. Some people call it section two list now. The um, in particular uh, scenes of violence against women, where a woman is stabbed with a rake. In particular, is quite a, a gory version, and uh, a scene where you're know, sexual as well. So, you know, there's quite a heady mix of violence uh, with women and also sex, <laughs> sex with women, sex with sex attacks, as it were. Um, and also, uh, what appears to be a shot of legitimate animal cruelty. Um, I, I I don't know is the quick answer to this, um, yeah, or how 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 legit that is as a scene. The film hasn't had a release over here since, so uh, you know they haven't done the usual thing where they kind of go away and try and work out what happened. And also, most of the cast are dead now. But uh, what I would say is there are moments, there are, there's six parts in that shot where that pig is obviously alive, and uh, then there's a lot of blood gushing out. Now, if I'm being honest, the, for me, that blood looks the same as the kind of fake blood that they're throwing around uh, with the characters, but it's hard to say let's say in voids of doubt as the uh, if, if we were the BBFC they would say around to go well, if you can't prove it then we're going to have to suggest that it probably is because it does look very realistic so in this case a pig is slaughtered on screen um, which regardless even if you know regardless of, of, of taste of decency but I think a lot of people will find upsetting so we get to the point of the the, 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 the conversation where we're basically, well, what this film? I mean, it sits awkwardly for me. And I think, if, if I'm being honest, and I, I don't try not to review that much, but I think for, for to understand whether you will enjoy this film or this is a joint film that you need to seek out, and you can get hold of a copy relatively sim- easily these days, is what what you watch Jallo for. Do you watch it for the you know, and all these are perfectly reasonable reasons to watch a film. Um, for the sex, for the sleaze, for the for the violence, for the for the for the mystery, for the style, for its kitsch value, for uh, the fashions. Do you watch it for all those elements? Do you watch it for the storyline? And you know, you, there's lots of things in these. There's lots of elements in a in a good jello, which uh, is why I think it gives it a broad base. I talked to a guy called uh, who's been very supportive of this program as well. This this podcast, um, John Larkin, about this, and I, I, I and I make jokes when it, I, I I kind of realised not that long ago that it might not be that I like loads of 70s um, horror it might be that I really like 70s fashion and 70s fashion is all over 1970s horror (laughs) writ large the one I always say is that the uh, I'm not a big fan of uh, Cronenberg scanners which I think we're covering in this list actually but we'll get or maybe not I'm not sure we are covering some Cronenberg later but uh, just on a personal level I've, I've, you know, I know it's a classic um, 
But my God, there's some fantastic wallpaper in that film, isn't there? You know, it just looks great. The film looks fantastic, especially in high definition. But uh, yeah, the, uh, but the I've never been that enamoured with the story, maybe. But that's okay, because I can sit there and watch it. Great. So when we get to Blue Eyes for a Broken Doll, there's definitely a great mystery story in there. It just isn't as stylish or as good looking as a lot of the Italian giallo stuff. So, you know. So you look at the films of like Sergio Martino and indeed Torso came out, you know, around about the same time as this. And I think this was when he was in his, his you know, his, his great patch of, of, of these giallo films. Um, and they are just ludicrously um, well made. And. Uh, just, you know, regardless of your feelings of a strange vice, vice for Miss Ward or your vice for locked room and only I hold the key. Um, you know, they, you can you say they are good looking movies, really good looking movies. And um, the plots are so twisty and turny. And this doesn't rank amongst that, I don't think. Although it is still nonetheless very entertaining, very well made. It delivers on violence. It delivers on sex. It delivers on Nashi being Nashi. So, you know, from that point of view, it's, it's good. Um, but, you know, at the same time, maybe because it's a Spanish film that doesn't necessarily have to therefore, have, you know, isn't in the swamped market that, uh, that was coming out of in, in Italy at that point for these kind of films. That probably doesn't tr- need to try quite as hard to... Um, to get people's attention though I might be being a bit hard on that as I say you know very worth making your own mind up uh, as it is definitely uh, an unusual film one of the things it does great which is something that we see in films like Deep Red is uh, repetitive music that kind of uh, moves and off kilters you so there's this quite plinky plonky um, track in there which um which has almost like a childlike quality and an unnerving quality. The music was done by uh, Juan Carlos Calderon. And uh, Calderon's, um, you know, also did stuff for like Vengeance of the Zombies and uh, that, that kind of thing as well. So, you know, he's well versed in doing this kind of horror stuff, but it does pinpoint on something that's really good about a lot of good quality jello is that um, unnervingness about, you know, mixing quite, quite graphic violence and, and, and music that doesn't quite match. Certainly Italians in particular are excellent that when you think about things like you know, the Holocaust as well. And we'll be talking about Brutes and Savages, which is a Mondo documentary in the future. And that, again, has a similar kind of thing with uh, the music almost being soporific when the violence is on screen, which kind of adds to an air of unease. The, um, one of its, its big soundtrack tropes, which is entertaining and quite good, is, is a repetitious uh, use of Fera Jaca, the song, uh, but again, the 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 the, the soundtrack is it shifts off kilter slightly, so you end up with a soundtrack that doesn't quite feel right. Um, which is for me personally, and I, I'm I, you know I do mention soundtracks a lot, but I definitely mean that the soundtrack is 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 a highlight. Although I, I, yeah, I'm guessing because it, it's so designed to be so repetitive, you can barely barely get on a ten inch, let alone a, a nice release. <laughs> So as we say, yeah, re- released theatrically in Spain in '74, released in the US by International in- Independent International Pictures in '76, uh, trimmed down slightly for its gore and nudity uh, to get it get it an R rating, and then further released as House of Doom, bizarrely, 
for uh, for TV. But now released uncut on DVD. And I feel like it's uh, to finish. I think, and I'm, I'm using this to finish. And when we talk about this, because the you know the film is sold as House of Psychotic Women in America. It is basically linchpin by three strong female performances. Um, while a lot of the camera obviously loves Nashi because he's you know the central star, you've got Maria Pershi who you know um, Austrian uh, performed to Rock Hudson. Um, in the comedy uh, Man's Favourite Sport and then you know even worked briefly on Hawaii Five-0 General Hospital she worked with um, in, on the castle of Fu Manchu with Christopher Lee you know a, generally a, a strong and um, you know a, a fantastic <laughs> uh, actress Spanish actress uh, Diana Loris obviously um She's appeared in 50 films over the years, including most notably probably for horror fans, uh, the awful Dr. Orloff. And Eva Leon, who's appeared in well over 60 60 films and TV roles, including the uh, Jess Franco film by uh, Blanca from 84. And the Leon Kamovsky film, I Hate My Body, um, which is a, a brain swap uh, mystery, basically. With, uh, yeah, uh, supernatural sci-fi senses in it as well, but, it, you know, shallow, shallow themes. Uh, again, that, obviously, um, Klimbovsky, um was is known for working with uh, Nashi on some of these werewolf movies as well. So a fantastic cast, an intriguing concept, a film that delivers... Um, I, but I suppose, as I said, is up against some very strong competition when it comes to the giallo genre, even if uh, none of those are in Spanish, I suppose. So the film was released on Canon in 1982, was subject to seizure and potentially being destroyed, has not been released since. But worry not if you've got a multi-region Blu-ray player. Shout Factory has released it on a Region A Blu-ray. Uh, did it last year. There is a DVD as well, which is from um, 2008, which might be trickier to find. Uh, certainly for a decent price. So uh, plump, for, um, plump for the Blu-ray if you can. I mean, that Blu-ray is part of a, a a Paul Nashi collection set but it's um, it's very reasonably priced I think at um, $50 so you might be worth just getting that or indeed you know where you usually get these things from shall we say and why wouldn't you after all why wouldn't you want to see uh, a makeup free Nashi rolling around with a with a with a, a young actress his, uh, his his hairy form flopping about in the breeze it had been a long time between men for the three strange sisters. I think I can offer you something interesting. What did they want with a man in the house of psychotic women? These are the girls in the house of psychotic women. Yvette lives in a wheelchair. And Nicole. And Claude. 
do you think a person would be satisfied with this? My two sisters are very unlucky. No man will look at them. One's a paralytic, and the other with that hand, it's repugnant. Well, for me, I like them both. not admitted without parent. If you want to get hold of me, please do. My email address is videonastypodcast at gmail.com. You can get me on Twitter at at orange underscore monkey. Or you can uh, go to the website, videonastypodcast.com, where there is... um, Lots of articles up as we speak. And also, the lasthorrorpodcast.com, where there's more stuff um, on there as well. Like, there's more more wide-ranging kind of uh, what we've got on there, you know. Thanks to uh, Elliot Best, who... Um, who left a quick comment saying, great to have you back, Dr. Brown. The podcast is deals interest ever, loving your work. Uh, Elliot, um, I think it was the last thing you heard on the old podcast, the old uh, the series one, with his son uh, leaving some feedback. So, so thank you, Elliot. Um, yeah, so next week we have got Terror from 1978, British film, um, directed by Norman J. Warren. So finally, um, Expose will be pushed off its perch as being the only uh, the only British film we cover. Was uh, Norman J. Warren brings a bit of sleaze to proceedings. Anyway, until then, take care, and I'll speak to you soon. Goodbye. seen a video nasty i wouldn't i have far too much how, how can you judge on a video nasty? Oh, you've never seen one i actually don't need to see visually what i know is in that film are very unlucky. No man will look at them. One's a paralytic, and the other with that hand, it's repugnant. Well, for me, I like them both.